Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres-Rodriguez, and I'm here to help you be poderosa with your dinero. I'm an engineer, a blogger, and an entrepreneur that built a $50,000 side hustle, and I'm obsessed with all things personal finance. On this show, we're going to talk about how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and how to make it grow. Are you ready? Vámonos. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. I am bringing an amazing conversation with someone who I discovered on Instagram. Her name is Delian Barros, and she is a financial educator, coach, and also an employment attorney who Instagrams over at Delian the Money Coach. And she is another amazing Latina that is focusing in on the FIRE movement and using principles of the FIRE movement to accelerate her journey to financial independence, early retirement, and also just how to invest smartly, wisely, so that you're living the life of your dreams. So I'm really excited to bring this conversation to you. Let's go ahead and have our discussion with Delianne. So Delianne, thank you for being here. By the way, I love your name. It's like so exotic and beautiful, just oh, like you. you. So <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So um, just so everybody knows, I discovered you when I first started the Instagram for Yo Quiero Dinero, you know, like Instagram makes all these suggestions to people based on like the content that you're looking at. Right. And so you're one of these people that came up and I started following you. And then I realized, oh, my God, here's another woman that's talking about fire. Like, I need to know who she is because you already know if you've listened to my previous episodes, I'm obsessed with the concept. 
But not only is Delian mastering fire, she is also mastering TikTok, which I'm just like, I don't even understand that shit. <laughs> so um, that's number one. You're like my personal hero because for me, before I met you online, like TikTok was like some weird shit that my niece would do. Like there's dances or something. And I had no idea that you could actually use it as an education tool. So kudos to you because I don't think anybody else is doing that right now. Thank you. It's actually really fun. And yeah, it's a whole new world out there. And <laughs> I'm not usually like an early adopter of these things. But I was like, I'm gonna get on this train and see how it goes. And it's been, it's just been so much fun. So I'm yeah. just trying to have fun with it. That's fantastic. So um, can you go ahead and introduce yourself and just tell us who you are for anybody who doesn't know you? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Delianne Barrows. I um, am an employment attorney by day. And I am a money coach, as I like to call myself. Um, my company is called Master My Fire. And I provide money coaching in all different aspects, you know, paying off debt, whether it's getting a handle on your money, budgeting, um, and of course, investing, which is what I want to motivate most people to do is to invest and to learn about it and to um, get out of their comfort zone when it comes to that. But yeah, that's like the basics. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, so before we get into getting to know you more and your backstory and how you took hold of your personal finance situation to transform it in a way that you're actually pursuing early retirement, um, I want to just first touch on a topic that's on everybody's mind right now, which is obviously the coronavirus and the economic impact that a lot of people are feeling. So as a money coach, I'm sure you have people reaching out to you that are asking questions like, should I be investing right now? Or should I be reprioritizing my financial plans just based on this new uncertainty that we're all facing? So like, what advice are you giving to your clients as to how to properly prepare and plan for like what might be ahead? Yeah, it's definitely been um, a huge topic of discussion and rightly so because we are entering a very uncertain time. Um, for some people who are brand new to personal finance or investing, this, is, this might be the first time that they've seen the market falling the way that it has. And so they hear people saying, oh, uh, stocks are on sale and the market's on sale and you should jump in now. And they're thinking, you know, some people are having FOMO and they're like, well, maybe this is the time that I should jump in. But that should not be your first reaction. If you are brand new to investing, you should not be jumping on the investing train right away. You should step back and really what you should do is assess your finances. How is that looking right now? So I've had to like, Put the brakes on a lot of people who are like oh i heard you teach people about investing let's talk about that and the first thing i ask is well what's your emergency fund look like what's your cash situation look like are right. you are you secure do you have minimum three to six months in the bank we should really work on bulking that up do you have control over your current finances do you have a budget do you know where it's coming do you know where it's going um and then you know oh do you have um how's your debt situation because that's going to be the next thing, right? If you are start falling behind on your debt, that's really what's going to cause the long-term effect on you, on you and your family. So I am looking at all of those things first before we even get to the investing question. And what I'm finding is that, yeah, a lot of people are jumping the gun. They are just getting too excited about FOMO and missing missing out on the market. And they're not, they're skipping the basics and we have to focus on the basics. So I am going back to that. Um, the foundation of personal finance, which is cash on hand, emergency fund, make sure your debts are in control, 
and um, then we can start talking about investing. Um, right now, the time, the you know, the this is the time to get cash in the bank because we don't know what's going to happen, and nobody's job is a hundred percent guaranteed and safe. And I, you know, I like how you always tell people how to look for multiple streams of income. This is the time to start thinking about that. You know, absolutely. Go get go get a a part time job. Go get a hobby that you can turn into a side hustle. This is the time to get creative about how to make more money. And that doesn't just mean dumping money into the stock market because that there is a risk to that. So that's how, what where I'm steering people right now. Yeah. And I, I love that. I think it makes so much sense. And you and I are both old enough to remember what the recession of 2008 looked like and mm-hmm. how it decimated, you know, people's life savings, like people are some people are still recovering from what happened there. And, you know, I think a lot of people, especially younger people, they don't necessarily remember the repercussions of just not being in a financially secure place and what that can do to your long term strategy. So I love the advice that you're giving people because, you know, these lessons, this is not the, the first and last time we're going to deal with this type of situation. The economy is cyclical and there's going to be recessions. There's going to be booms. But you have to just always be kind of nimble, right, about how you're planning Mm -hmm. your financial strategy. Because just like everything in life, the only guarantee is change, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. So I want to get to know you more and I want listeners to get to know you more. So my first question to you is going to be, what was your relationship with money like growing up and how did you first become interested in personal finance? Sure. So I am an immigrant. I was born in Brazil. um, And my parents, you know, we had, I think it's like very typical in a Latina family, like we in the Latin family, we don't talk about money with, you know, with kids, like that's Mm -hmm. something that we do. So my parents weren't sitting there explaining to me the the value of of a dollar or a real, as we call it in Brazil, you know, they were just telling me, Oh, you want that? And yeah, yeah, we can't afford that right now. All right. No, you cannot have that. So I just knew that money was something that was in their control. It wasn't in my control and we didn't always have it. And that was a, a lesson that kind of permeated my childhood, although we had a very stable life in Brazil. And I actually had family members who lived in favelas. So I did see the disparity between our life and theirs because we lived in like apartments and then towards um, towards um, the end of my eight-year-old year, my parents purchased a home, which was like a huge deal in Brazil. So I knew we had some money, but I, I didn't, I knew we weren't wealthy, even from a young age, right? I would see kids at school bring lunch home from school while I got the free lunch, which was like porridge or grits or something. And I was like, oh, those kids like are different. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would walk from school and they would take the bus, which was like a big deal if you had a bus pass, right? Everything's like in perspective. Right. Um, well, and so, just so that people who don't know what a favela is, can you just explain that real quick? Oh, sure. So a favela is like a shanty town. So it's basically like a handmade town that's basically on like hills or, or valleys that are like dirt. They're, these are not paved roads most of the time. It's just on dirt. And in fact, when I would go to visit my family, I would come home covered in like red clay and I would take a shower to be like covered in red clay from it. And so these are where the displaced or really, really impoverished people in Brazil live. And that is, you know, just a classic display of how Brazil has a very small, to this day, a very small middle class 
usually you're very wealthy or you are very poor. It is very hard to like be in the middle. So we were basically like maybe a step above that, you know, Um, which was enough to provide us the things that we needed in our, in our childhood, which I was grateful for. So everything was, you know, going fine. And then all of a sudden my dad lost his job. So he had like a white collar type job at the steel factory in Brazil, which was the largest steel mill in Brazil. Um, And he went from having, you know, a white collar job to not having anything at all. So we quickly had to sell everything and move to the United States. He just it was basically the only employment in town. So he knew that our lives were gonna change drastically unless we did something major. And my father had lived in the United States prior. He actually won the lottery in California. Oh, wow. <laughs> not, yeah, not a huge lottery. It was maybe, I think at the time, it might've been like $50,000, but that was a ton of money for yeah. my family, right? So he took that money and he bought my grandmother's house, which she lives in to this day still. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So he spent a bunch of money on my family. So my dad was, you know, like the hero of the family. And then all of a sudden he lost his job and he had lived in the United States before. So he's like, let's go. We packed up everything. I think we moved to the United States with maybe two or three suitcases. Wow. That's it. The five of us, you know, it was me. Oh, there was no five of us yet. That's right. It was just me and my middle sister. My little sister came later. Um, so the four of us. So anyway, we moved to the United States. We moved to Miami. We didn't know anybody. We were just on our own. We had to figure everything out. Um, we moved to Boston for nine months and we're like, oh my God, this is cold as hell. Like, why are we here? <laughs> we quickly came running back to Miami. We're like, what was that all about? Didn't even yeah. get to see snow. Um, but my dad decided to start his own carpet cleaning business. So it was just him and, and a carpet cleaning machine. And he would be cleaning, you know, like these big fancy boats at the Miami South Beach and the Miami Harbor. And so it was a pretty good business. Um, and for years, my mom didn't have to work because she was taking care of us. And it was very traditional in my family that my mom, my dad didn't want my mom working for a long time. But finally, you know, things started getting tighter. And he's like, okay, maybe you can start working. And so she started working as a housekeeper. And then there was, you know, more income. But I always knew that money was tight growing up. I didn't have money to go on field trips or do any extracurricular activities. Um, anything that I wanted to do after school, I'd have to find my own way home. Like my parents were busy, you know, trying to make a living for us. It wasn't, right. they weren't going to go out of their ways to like, yeah, to, to like cheer us on when it came to those extra things because they just didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so I saw that that was the situation and I was like, okay, well then I need to start thinking of ways to make my own money. And, um, I started tutoring. Um, and I'm like, well, how am I going to advertise this tutoring business? You know? Um, I, you know, but this is before social media. So I printed a sheet of paper. And do you remember those signs that you would see everywhere? People would just put a sign up and then you would have the phone number on the bottom and you rip Mm -hmm. them off and you go. And that's what I did. And I put it up in my building and I got, um, a mom, she called me and she was like, Oh yeah, I would love it if you tutor my son. So I started tutoring him a couple times a week. And that was like my little money that I would use for anything I needed. Um, And how old were you at this point? I was probably 14, 15 years old. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then soon after that, I think at 15, 16, I got my first job at Walgreens. I was just like a checkout clerk. I would stock shelves. That was like my first real paycheck. Um, so I felt super grown up. But that was that was a crazy job, too, because I was going to school full time. Obviously, I was a kid. Um, and then I would go after school and I would work to like one in the morning. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. But the Walgreens was literally two blocks from my house. 
Okay. So yeah, I was lucky that it was like right there, but I would work till one in the morning. Um, I worked on Christmas. I worked on New Year's Eve. So I didn't, I didn't care. I was just so happy to be making money, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, so that was like my, my first job. And then I bought my own car. I bought like a $4,000 beater that was like mine and I was so proud of it. Um, but yeah, and then I graduated high school and got a full-time job at, at a insurance company, like just as a receptionist. But then, mm-hmm. when, but I was like, oh no, I want to, I want to do something else here, you know? So I started campaigning to get a better job and the VP of the company kind of noticed that I was on top of things and I offered to help her out sometimes. And I, so over time she, she made me her personal assistant. So I was her executive assistant for four years and that was how, where I worked throughout college. So I would work full time and I went to school um, in the evenings and on the weekends. And she okay. actually offered to pay for my school uh, for, this was just community college. If I didn't quit the job, <laughs> she was like, if oh, you wow, stay, that's a great deal. <laughs> yeah. She's like, if you stay, keep working for me. Cause she was, she was one of those people who would churn through assistance. And I was the mm. one who had lasted the longest. So she's yeah. like, if you just stay, I will help pay for your community college. So she did that for, for, um, almost, um, a year. And that was a huge help. Um, but then finally I had to leave and, and go to law school. And I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> Yeah, I really do I have, have bigger to things to do. Yeah, <laughs> and she and she offered me fifty thousand dollars to stay. Wow. Um, yeah, and I said, "Would you would you um, want your kids to take that deal?" And that's when she was like, <laughs> "Yeah." And so, you, I'm girl, like, you already a lawyer in the making. Exactly. Hello. Yeah, she was like, "Anything you're gonna learn in law school, you can learn from me." And I was like, "No." <laughs> um. So yeah, that's how I went to law school, and um. Yeah, $50,000 was probably the most amount of money that I had ever heard of in my life at that point. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, but I was like, that's not for me. You know, I have bigger dreams. I have bigger aspirations. So Yeah. So what inspired you to go to law school? Honestly, <laughs> I wanted something really stable. I really did. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw the instability in my family. Like, when my parents got divorced when I was around 15, um, things kind of spiraled with my mom. She had difficulty paying the bills. And I saw how, how life was, you know, I was like, wow, I don't want to end up in a situation. Like, I want to be able to help my family out if I can. What can I do that's going to provide that kind of stability? And I initially was a psych major and I thought I wanted to be a psychologist. And I was like, oh, you know what? I don't know if I want to sit around listening to people's, you know, like life issues all day. That's really stressful. So I became an employment attorney where I had to sit around and listen to people's life issues all day. Which is super <laughs> stressful. <laughs> You know? Go figure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and now I'm a coach. And it's just like, it is the human, you know, aspect of it that has always pulled me towards these type of jobs. Like, it's not by accident that I have chosen these things, whether it was going to be a psychologist or a lawyer, and now a money coach. I've always been interested in helping people. And that and that was that was going to come through in one way or another. So being a lawyer at first, yeah, did I pick it because I thought it was a stable job, and it was going to give me security. I did. But I didn't choose to go to a big white collar firm, as we call them, a white shoe firm, sorry. Um, I chose to do public interest. I wanted to do employment law, but I only wanted to represent employees. Um, Mm. And so that's all I I did during my seven years of litigation. I have only represented employees um, against management companies. So I would represent people who were being discriminated against, people whose wages were being stolen, people who weren't being paid overtime, immigrants were being discriminated against. Um, you know, employers who would call immigration on people to, 
to threaten them and scare them. Those are the kind of cases that that drew me in. And it was a very it was a very rewarding experience, but it was also incredibly exhausting and it does burn you out very, very quickly. So five years ago, about five, six years ago, I switched jobs and I'm now an attorney editor where I write about employment law. So I no longer litigate um, and it has given me like such so much freedom and my stress level has gone from like 10 to one. I basically get to write about employment law, stay current on the law, but I no longer have the stress of litigation that goes with it. Um, so actually I'm one of the few lawyers who have gone to law school and has been able to make it work and transition out of litigation, which very few lawyers are able to do um, because they just burn out and then they just completely pivot out of the law um, because it just becomes something that they, they, don't, they no longer enjoy. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that that's really interesting how, you know, you recognize that you can still use your skill set in a way that serves your own personal goals and your work life balance goals and things like that. Because I feel like a lot of people, they get stuck in this like, well, if I do this, it has to be this way. And that's the only way that I can make it work. And that's absolutely not true. You know, it, you're, you have to be very intentional about how you create what your life looks like. Absolutely. And I mean, I manifested this job because I would, you know, put that energy out there that I'm like, this is the kind of job that I want. And I would just like make up this dream job in my head. And one day, um, it wasn't out of the blue, but one day a recruiter called me and she told me about this company. And I was like, yes, absolutely. I'm very interested. Let's, let's go for it. But I had already been working on my exit strategy for many years before that. In fact, I was supposed to be an administrative law judge. And I was full, I was hired for the position. And then um, Obama froze um, the hiring for that period because we were going through a mm. bit of a recession. So he froze it. And so I, was no, I wasn't able to leave my firm at that time. But that's because it wasn't meant to be because then this position Absolutely. came along and it was so much better than the other administrative law judge job that I would have taken. So everything happens for a reason. I'm a huge believer of that. Um, and I always tell people, if you're unhappy where you are, start working on your exit strategy. Don't just jump you know, like mm -hmm. start pivoting and start talking to recruiters, start making a plan. Like you don't have to be stuck in that job, but also don't just leave, like talk to an employment attorney because a lot of people think employment attorneys are just about suing um, companies, but they can actually help to negotiate a package for you so that you can leave your employer and you're, and you have some money in the bank. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh yes, all. absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, if you're in a big corporation, they're all about that because they want to get that waiver from you. The waiver that says, okay, yeah, I'm leaving and I'm, you know, I'm waiving all my rights. And that gives the company a lot of security. And so this is a negotiating tactic for you. Um, so I always tell people, talk to an employment attorney, like get a consultation. It's worth it, you know, to pay for it because it will, it will pay off in the long run. Wow. That's awesome. Okay, so what was your debt situation like and what inspired you like to make these changes that have led you to being on the path to FIRE? So before I discovered FIRE or any of this, I, you know, have my student loans, obviously, from undergrad and from law school, which were ginormous. And I had just come to terms with the fact that I was like, oh, I'm going to have these loans for the rest of my life, <clears throat> for the rest of my life. And Navian can wait for the money when they get it. You know, that was, that was my thinking. I'm like, eh, they'll get it when they get it. And yeah. 
it was, you know, it was because I didn't know any better. I was just thinking like, that's the way it was. And I was living in New York City. I wasn't making a ton of money when I started my, my job as an attorney. Cause like I said, it was public interest work. So while I had friends who were making 160, $180,000, um, I was making 65, I think 70 in New York city. That's not a lot of money. I know it sounds like it, it's, it's, a, not, yeah, no. it's not a lot of money <laughs> and your rent is like half of that. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> I was, you know, I was kind of living paycheck to paycheck. I was pushing my loans out. If I could, I went, I, I did whatever I could to make things work. Um, so I hadn't gotten a grasp yet on my finances. I was all over the place. I regularly carried between three to $5,000 in credit card debt month to month. And then I would get my bonus and I would pay it off. And then the cycle would start again. Uh So it was, and it was living expenses, you know, like maybe I would take a vacation once a year, if that, but it was mostly living expenses. Um, So, but I thought I was doing good. I thought I was in control because I was like, oh, I know exactly what's on my bill. I always pay above the minimum. Um, You know, I wasn't a crazy spender. So I thought that was life, like me being financially in control. And of course, I know now that's not at all what it was. Um, So I finally stopped doing that, thank God, with credit cards as my income increased over the years. I stopped carrying all the credit card debt. Um, But the student loans were still like the minimums. I'm like, I'm only going to pay the minimums on those things. You take care of your body by exercising, eating right, and getting enough sleep. But are you doing the same for your mind? On this podcast, we're always talking about mindset and mental health as the foundation for financial wellness. So we're super proud to partner with BetterHelp to get you access to professional, affordable therapy right at your fingertips. Even with health insurance coverage, traditional therapy costs over $100 per session. And that's if you can even get an appointment. Online counseling is an effective, convenient, and affordable way to get help with many issues. You can chat with your therapist at your convenience in whatever mode you're most comfortable with. Just take a short quiz and get personally matched with one of BetterHelp's professional, licensed, and experienced counselors and get the support and guidance you need to start making a change. As a reminder, online therapy is not suitable for someone who's suffering from a severe mental health condition that makes them a danger to themselves or others. Download the BetterHelp app today and get started with 10% off exclusively for Yo Quiero Dinero podcast listeners. Just use the discount code DINERO, that's D-I-N-E-R-O, and you can get 10% off your first month. You can also go to betterhelp.com slash DINERO for the same offer. BetterHelp, affordable, private, online counseling, anytime, anywhere. So I'm paying off my student loans. I'm just paying the minimums. um, And I start basically hoarding cash because all I know right now is what people have told me is, hey, don't have credit card debt, pay your bills. And if you want to be wealthy someday, buy real estate, which we know in New York City is incredibly challenging. So I start hoarding cash and I'm convinced that buying real estate is my only path to, you know, being wealthy or to reaching retirement. I just think like it's, it's, it's the only option. Uh So that's what I start doing. And I go through three different real estate transactions, trying to buy um, a co-op in New York city, which buying a co-op in New York city has to be one of the most stressful things ever, because it's not just about having a 20% down payment. They want to see that you have 
a ton of money in the bank on top of that 20 percent oh wow so it is just the the financial requirement for it is really intense and they go through your entire life um to make sure that you can qualify so i actually got super close on one apartment we signed a contract and then at the last minute they they canceled the contract because somebody came in with a cash offer above market price so they actually um, you know, I was really upset. I was telling my real estate attorney, I'm like, how can I do this? We signed a contract. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's real estate for you in New York mm. city. So I gave up on that idea, um, of buying, you know, real estate in New York city. And I decided that I was going to leave New York city. Anyway, I was, I had lived there for 14 years. I knew that the cost of living was super, super high. And I'm like, I need to get out of the state if I ever want to pay off these loans and maybe buy property and grow my, my, my net worth, I need to get out of New York city. So I started working on that exit strategy and finally asked my job, Hey, can I move to, can I work from home? And they're like, uh-huh. I'm like from San Diego. Well, <laughs> and they're like, awesome. Oh, okay. Um, but literally with a five minute conversation, they're like, sure. No problem. I couldn't believe it. Wow. I was like, if, yeah. Had I known, I would have asked years earlier, but I didn't realize that behind the scenes, the company was becoming very remote worker friendly. And so um, I started hearing about people moving to other countries or moving across the country and being able to keep their jobs. And I was like, well, maybe that won't apply to me. And I just had all this like negative, unnecessary negative self-talk about it. And finally, I was like, no, I'm going to ask. The worst they can say is no. And I did. And, it, and so I moved to, to San Diego where I live now. And I cut my cost, cost of living considerably. Now I'm still holding on to all this money that I had for this down payment. And I'm still thinking, this is what I need to do now. Now I'm in California, another state that's super expensive when it comes to real estate, you know, and I know that it's going to be challenging to buy here too. And then one day I watched this thing on Netflix called um, Explained. I don't know if you've seen the series on oh, yeah. Netflix. It's right. Awesome. They pick a different topic every episode. And I watched this, this episode called Billionaires. Mm. And so Mark Cuban's on it. They're talking about Warren Buffett. Um, and then they do this little interview. They show this little snippet of Warren Buffett. And all of a sudden, he says these words that I had never heard before. He says, low-cost index funds. And I'm like, what's that? I've never mm -hmm. heard this term before. So I start talking to my friend about it. And I was like, have you heard this term? I've never heard this term before. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You should read this book and you should follow this person on Instagram. And I went down a rabbit hole that I have never left since. <laughs> <laughs> that is the story for most of us that are yes. in personal finance at this point. <laughs> it was crazy. It was like I had discovered a whole new world. I thought at the time my Instagram was a fitness Instagram. I had only post I would only post things about my food and my workouts. And mm -hmm. that's and then all of a sudden I was like, oh no, I want to start talking about money. I want to start talking about money all the time. Like women do not talk about money enough. This is really frustrating. So yeah. I go, I go down this rabbit hole. I start digging around, learning, learning everything I can about personal finance. And I looked it up before we started talking. That episode came out on October 3rd. For two weeks, I did nothing but study <laughs> what low cost index funds were <laughs> nonstop. Awesome. By October 17th. I put $50,000 in a Vanguard low-cost index. What? Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I decided that I was going to pay off my student loans within 15 months. I sent $30,000 to Navient. Um, I paid off my private loan. Um, and I sent, yeah, I sent $50,000 to Vanguard. And Instead I was... hoarding it for real estate. That yes. That was just impossible to attain at this point. Right. Yeah. 
And also, it's it could I have made it happen? Absolutely, but it didn't. It doesn't fit my lifestyle. Like being a a, a being a, a property landlord. owner or yeah. a landlord doesn't isn't for everybody. Girl, and I will tell you from personal experience. I've done it, and I will never do that shit again. You it see, is just. You know, it sounds like this uh, dream life on paper where you're like, oh, my God, look, these people are like funding my life. You, When you actually have to deal with human beings, it's really challenging sometimes. OK, especially I, when it's people and money. I have no interest in ever doing that again. So I exactly. get it. And I'm an easy tenant. I'm the easiest tenant you'll ever have. I'm the, I'm quiet as a mouse. I come and go. I pay my bills early. So I'm thinking, oh, everybody everybody's like me but no everybody's not not like me (laughs) (laughs) I am the best case scenario yes (laughs) my my landlady hears from me maybe twice a year yeah so not um, very common (laughs) yeah exactly so I decided you know real estate is not going to be for me but that being said do I own real estate sure I own I own REITs right I own real estate um stocks through my index funds Mm -hmm. so I still own real estate so I feel good about that um so yeah, so that was literally a pivot that took place between two to three weeks. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it was very fast, but that's also because I had this foundation that was already there, that was bubbling. That was I was researching, I was asking questions, I was pushing against this traditional idea that people were selling me that real estate was the only way. I knew there had to be another way. And when I discovered low cost index funds and learned what it was and read the books and, and took the time to educate myself, I saw a different path and then I found fire and you know, for people who don't know what fire is, it's financial independence, retire early. It's a huge movement. Um, it's really caught on and it's about, you know, reaching this amount of money in your investment accounts where you can basically. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. We live off of it for the rest of your life. And depending on how quickly you get to this number, you can retire early. So I ran the numbers. I started running these calculations. You know, I'm looking at compound interest calculators and everything. I'm looking at how much I can save per month. And um, I realized that if I pay off all my loans and I start funneling all of that money that I've been sending to Navient to now to my Vanguard accounts, um, I can retire by 45, which is crazy to think about because I am 37 years old right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very short timeline. And when I called the guy at Vanguard and told him that I was doing fire because I'm using their personal advisor services, he was like, you're my first fire person. I've never had to do a fire plan before for anybody. Oh. And I was like, well, sir, congratulations. I so think, you- why do you think that is? Do you think just fire people are like against the whole concept of like financial advisors that they're just trying to BS them or what? Yeah, I think um, they want to do it themselves, you know, because this is a very DIY movement, you know, yeah. it's just like, you can figure it out on your own. And you totally can, you can 100% figure it out on your own. But there's a lot. And because I am still relatively new to this, there's still, it doesn't hurt to have somebody in your corner, right? And the price is very reasonable. I mean, I'm not here to like, I, I don't work for Vanguard, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not here to like, <laughs> full disclaimer, full disclaimer. But you know, it's 0.3% of my balance. It's the guy had the heart of a teacher. He literally spent two hours on the phone with me explaining everything. I had a million questions. Mm -hmm. And once I felt satisfied, I was like, okay, I'll sign up with you. And he was so excited to work on my plan. And so I, that's what you want in a financial advisor. You want somebody who has a heart of a teacher and who is going to walk you through all the steps. And if you don't feel a hundred percent satisfied by the end, do not hire that person. You know, that is what I tell people. And so this is what's almost called like a robo advisor. Mm -hmm. So there, everything's kind of happening automatically behind the scenes. That's why the fee is so low. So this is not an actively managed plan. It's still pretty much hands off. They're rebalancing for me, you know, every two, three months. And so there are things that he taught me that I didn't know about, you know, like for instance, I'm a high income earner. And so certain bonds are going to be charged at a very high tax rate for me. So he's like, you shouldn't be in these, these, these bonds, you should be in municipal bonds. And I was like, Oh, Oh. I didn't know about municipal bonds. So there are little things that you don't know that they can help you with. And they, they will structure like a a great plan for you. So I do advise, I do tell people to use them if they feel comfortable using them. Yeah. I think the most important thing is just to understand what the cost is for Mm -hmm. this advice. And like, if these people are being paid by just getting you to sign up for stuff, then they're probably not the people you want to be working with. You want somebody who actually has your financial interests in mind and is not just trying to profit and get rich off of you. Cause that's not the point. A hundred percent. And to be clear, these are fiduciaries, which means that they are not selling me any products. Um, They are paid a salary. They are not paid on commission. So he doesn't benefit at all about you know, depending on what I decide to do. Also, I can cancel anytime. I'm not signing a contract. He's like, hey, if tomorrow you decide you don't want to, you don't want to do this anymore, you don't have to. So everything was there. It checked the boxes for me. So I, I felt comfortable signing up with them. Um, but yeah, so fire has just been this huge life change for me. And then the other piece of that I discovered was geo arbitrage, which I decided 
I'm not going to retire in the United States. I can actually lower my fire number if I retire abroad. So right now my plan is to retire in Lisbon, Portugal. Um, so we'll and see Lisbon, how- Portugal itself is known for its low cost of living and it's actually a really popular place for expats from the United States because of that. So yeah, that I don't, I'm not surprised by your plan. You know, there's yeah. people that talk about moving to places like, you know, Costa Rica or Panama or other, other places where your relative standard of living is pretty much equivalent to what it would be in the U.S., but your cost of living is like way lower. Exactly. And not only that, because I'm a single woman, I, you know, I had to think about the safety issue. And Lisbon is one of, is the third safest country, uh, city in the world. Mm-hmm. So it is super safe. And, you know, I'm Brazilian. I already speak Portuguese. So the at least yes. there's no language barrier there. Um, yeah. I, also, I also speak Spanish. So I'm open to like moving to Spain maybe someday. Um, so the flexibility is there um, as far as where I'm going to end up. But the but I, I just start saying the plan out loud, even if it changes in the future, because when you have like a clear goal, you're more likely to reach it than if you just... If you just say something really broad, like, yeah, I'm going to save for retirement. What does that mean? That doesn't mean mm-hmm. anything. Put a date on it. Put a number on it. You're going to reach it much faster. Right. And not just putting a number and a date, but also putting an idea of what that retirement actually looks like. Like, what are you going to do? Are you just going to sit there and watch Netflix all day? Are you mm-hmm. going to take up a new job? Are you going to pursue this passion that you've had, but that, you know, your full-time job hasn't allowed you to pursue? Like, you need to envision what that retirement actually looks like so you can plan for it absolutely and you know I get I get some pushback on this sometimes they're like oh you're gonna retire by 45 you're gonna be so bored what are you gonna do and I'm like (laughs) my list of things to do is so long I don't think I have enough years to live you know so you so I have a question for you about fire itself Mm because you know there's a lot of naysayers that are like oh yeah sure yeah you're gonna retire in 10 years because you make a hundred fifty two hundred thousand dollars a year cool What about like regular people, like teachers or like, you know, just people who are earning normal salaries that are just like, well, I could never do that. What what advice do you have? I have definitely seen a lot of people making 50 to $60,000 a year reach fire because it's not about the amount of money that you make. It's about the lifestyle that you're choosing to live. So if you're already living a certain lifestyle at that level of income, all you're trying to do is like maintain it right now. Obviously, if you're like, oh, I'm living on $50,000 now, but I want to be living on $100,000 when I retire. That's a whole different plan. Most mm-hmm. people, they just want to maintain their lifestyle. You know, they like, I want to know that if I lose my job or if I decide to quit working my nine to five, that I can maintain my current lifestyle. So they already start scaling back early. And then also they start increasing their income, which not enough people talk about because it's Fire isn't just about being frugal and like cutting back and living on rice and beans. Like that's what my my (laughs) sister used to like be like, listen, I know you live a really frugal lifestyle. I don't want anything having to do with that because she's kind of bougie and she likes to go to fancy places. Well, frugal has such a negative term, you know, mindset for people. It's just like, oh, but that means you're living like you're poor. And it's like, no, yeah, prioritizing like what's important to you, what what you want to spend your money on. Absolutely. I mean, um, hello, I'm paying off debt. I'm saving for my retirement and I'm going to Bali on my Wednesday. Like I'm Hello. living my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, that is called living your best life. Yeah. Okay, by any definition. Yes. And two months later, I'm going to Hawaii. So I, you know, Girl. I, tra- I travel hack and I, I find my ways, but I do spend my money. Like I enjoy going to restaurants. 
I enjoy, uh, you know, going to soul cycle class once in a while. So I do spend my money. Um, but I'm also aware of it in a different way. And I see the bigger goal as, as something much more worthy of accomplishing than just spending in the now all the time. Mm -hmm. I think I was using money, honestly, to fill like a void. And uh, that's what a lot of people do. They just, they, they use money to fill a void. Maybe you're bored. Maybe you're upset. Maybe, you know, we spend when we're happy. We spend when we're upset. We let our emotions control our money. And so when we start connecting those two things, we start changing our behavior. But going back to the people, you know, who are making like fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a year or less, yes, you can absolutely achieve fire. It's just about putting that number on paper and like, working on a side hustle, you know, there's so many ways now to make money from home, from, you know, just an eBay account, like, like starting, Mm -hmm. right, starting a blog, as you know. Um, Yep. So people need to get more creative. It's not just about having that nine to five anymore. We're in the era of like, if you're not taking advantage of the internet, you're missing out. Right. And if that is too daunting for you, like, there are a million ways to do a side hustle by downloading an app on your phone and doing Uber or dog walking or dog sitting or delivering groceries. Like you don't even need to create the business nowadays. You just need to put yourself out there and say, instead of sitting at home for like four hours and doing nothing, I'm going to go and drive for Uber because that's going to get me X amount of money that I could put towards my debt or put towards my investment account or whatever. It's just like about being more conscious about what you're spending your time doing. If it's not serving your goal, like, why are you, why are you wasting that time? Exactly. Couldn't have yeah. that in myself. <laughs> <laughs> so what is that your actual game plan, like for FIRE? And like, how did that dictate how you're tackling your student loans? So a lot has changed <laughs> about my plan <laughs> for the, my student loans, because, um, you know, as we all know now, President Trump just announced this huge um, plan to pause interest rates on federal student loans, which that is a huge deal. By I way. did not see that coming. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, so, you know, I'm on this path to become debt free to, you know, on one level, beat the, the interest rate. So I was like, oh, my God, now the interest rate's going to be zero. So and I don't know what's happening with the economy right now. Nobody does. Right. The stock market's all over the place. The economy is unpredictable. So the this year was about to be was supposed to be about my debt free year, I might have to slow that down a little bit to funnel more money towards savings, which is exactly what I'm telling my clients, I'm gonna, I practice what I preach, I'm gonna put more money towards savings, I'm still going to be paying off student loans above the minimum, because hello, now that there's no interest, that means I can pay it off faster. That means that like, a big chunk of my payment isn't going to interest, which is so disheartening. Every time I see the payment post, and I see 100 $200 interest, like, Mm -hmm. that's, so disheartening so now that's no longer the case so if you are in the position that i'm in and let's say you have a minimum payment of 300 dollars a month on your student loans and then all of a sudden it goes down because now there's no interest let's say the payment is now 250 or 200 my advice to you is if you can if you can hold on keep paying the 300 and knock that thing out but if you're if you're like oh no i want to bulk up my emergency fund then funnel that money to your emergency fund. Whatever you do, don't just go out and spend that money on anything, you know, reckless. But mm-hmm. either save the money or keep funneling it towards your student loans. So for me, I'm going to keep funneling money into student loans, maybe not as aggressively as I was before, but maybe I don't have to do it as aggressively now that the interest rate is gone. 
maybe I'll still hit my debt-free date even if I slow down a little bit. We'll see. I need to work out the numbers once once Navian gives us the go-ahead. But um, the goal is to you know pay off the, all the student loans and then funnel all that money to my Vanguard account. I already maxed out my 401k at work. Um, so those those are basically like, that's my strategy for the next one to two years, um, short term. And long term is to just keep plowing money into the investment accounts and keep living the same lifestyle I have. I never let lifestyle creep, you know, kind of come over, even if my salary may increase or my bonuses may increase. I don't change my lifestyle, even, you know, as the income um, increases. And I think that that has been a huge um, benefit of that, that has led to like why I'm able to do the things that I do, that even though I, I am a high income earner, I live a very um, middle class lifestyle, I would like to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's that's a really important message because, you know, so many people, they they hear like, oh my gosh, I'm getting a bonus for work or I'm getting a raise and whatever. And instead of just realizing that I didn't have that before. So why do I need to spend it just because I'm getting it? You know, and then that's what happens. You end up getting money that you didn't expect to get. And instead of being more like thoughtful about it and realizing that you don't even need that money to currently live the life that you live, Mm -hmm. like, why wouldn't you do something more productive with it than just saving or buying something because now all of a sudden you have this windfall of money. So I think that's the first thing that you need to wrap your head around when you're talking about fire. It's just like, understand the lifestyle that you have. Do you, are you currently making enough to, you know, to live the life that you want? If you are, then why would you need more in the future? You just need to maintain that standard of living if that's what makes you happy. Exactly. And if anything, yeah, my standard of living will will probably stay pretty much the same. And my cost of living will probably go down once I move out of San Diego into Portugal. Um, so those are all the things that I'm banking on. But I'm also saving up to the point where if I ever wanted to come back to the United States, if I, for whatever reason, I was unhappy in Portugal and I didn't want to stay in Europe anymore, I could still come back. So I am saving above probably what I need. Um, because you always want a contingency plan. Like this, this is what we're talking about planning for the future. Things are uncertain. So you always want to go above and beyond whatever your plan is, um, just in case. But I don't know, just having that plan in place gives me so much peace of mind, something that I never had before. I felt like I was floundering before. Oh, I'm, am I going to buy real estate? Am I not? Am I going to rent for the rest of my life? I just felt like I had no direction. So just because you have money doesn't mean that you have direction. So you really have mm-hmm. to sit down and make a plan for yourself. And only then are you going to feel like you have financial freedom, like you're going to have control over your life. Um, so that's what I, that's what, why I started Master My Fire, because I want people to sit down, make a plan and see how empowering that just doing that is. It's so empowering. Like it's just gives you such peace of mind. And I want that for everyone. So can you talk about Mastermind Fire and what services you actually provide and how you work with your clients to get them on a path to financial freedom and independence? Absolutely. Um, you know, it is a very um, high touch personal coaching plan. There is no cookie cutter, you know, download this and fill this out. And this is, this is the formula that you're going to get. I work one on one with everybody and I do what it's called a three month transformation because This is not something that we're gonna conquer in one phone call. It is gonna take time. So I do have my clients fill out what I call like a financial snapshot. Guys, this is a budget, all right? It's a budget. 
Um, it, it's just a one month budget, but that's all it is. You don't have to tell me everything you spent for the last six months to a year, but I need to have an idea of what, where your money is, what you're spending, what's coming in, what's going out and what your debt looks like and what your savings look like. Once I have an idea of what, what that looks like, you and I can start working on a plan to make this efficient, to make your costs efficient, to bring down your expenses and to start funneling money to your goals. What do you want to do? Do you want to pay off debt? Do you want to save for a down payment? Do you want to achieve fire like me? Whatever it is, we're going to work on it, right? And I'm going to try to steer you in the best direction. I'm here to coach you and I'm here to support you in this journey because I think what's missing from a lot of these do-it-yourself type um, programs is accountability. I mean, we all know, account. you know, like it's, it's like getting a, a trainer. We all know what mm -hmm. to do when we go to the gym. We know what we're supposed to do. We know we're supposed to lift weights. We know we're supposed to do a little cardio. We know we're supposed to eat right. But unless somebody's looking over your shoulder, you're going to cheat a little bit, you know, and then you're going to be like, oh, why didn't I lose five pounds? So, you know, I'm here to like, not to shame you or judge you at all. I'm just here to kind of keep, keep you on track and make things realistic because people tend to be extreme sometimes. And they're like, oh, I'm going to cut off. I'm going to cut all this out of my budget. And then they realize that that's not sustainable. And then they, they start spending like crazy because that was just so difficult for them. So I'm here to just keep people on a very realistic path so that they can achieve this over a long term. This is not a get rich quick scheme. I tell people this is, this is not going to happen overnight. And um, yeah, I just try to be as pragmatic and realistic as possible because that's what I would want somebody doing for me. Um, so yeah. That I love the how you equate it to like, you know, diet and nutrition, because it's so similar when you really think about it, like, you put somebody on a really strict diet, like the first thing they're going to do more than likely is like binge as, as soon as they get the chance, right? They're going to go yep. crazy. And it's just like, yeah, it's human nature to fight and like rebel against like rules, right? When you're feeling so restricted mm -hmm. that you're just like, no, fuck this. I can't do this. this is too much. Like, I don't have time for this. Right? Yeah. And so it's the same thing with money. Like if you just make it so unpleasant to like deal with, you're just gonna be like, nah, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like there has to be a plan, but one that actually motivates you as opposed to like, you know, deflates you or defeats you or makes you feel like, oh, this is just torture. And I can't wait for this. To absolutely. Be and the, one of the first questions I ask them is, hey, what are your deal breakers? What are things that you absolutely love to spend money on? And you're like, I don't want to give this up. I want to work with you so that you can keep those things in your life. You know, if that means getting a latte at Starbucks, then we're going to keep that latte in. We're going to find a way, you know, obviously you can't keep yeah. a list of 20 things, but find the, but the goal of the exercise is to really find what brings you joy. What is it when you spend this money? It actually brings you joy because like I said, if you're just spending money mindlessly, you don't even realize that like you're leaking money and it's not even bringing you any joy or any happiness. You're just mm -hmm. spending. Right. Yeah. So true. Okay. So um, a little question about investing, because obviously with everything that's going mm. on right now with the economy, like people are like, should you be investing? Should you not be investing? Mm. Now, I know you said it previously, you know, if your emergency fund is not looking right and your debt situation is a mess, like don't even think about focusing on investing right now. Like you have other things to worry about in the more immediate future. But for somebody who say, you know, they feel like their job's really stable their emergency fund is well-funded and their debt situation is minimal or even non-existent. What advice do you have from an investing perspective? Should they be investing in this current environment? And what's, I guess, the least stressful way to go about that? 
A hundred percent. If you've been investing up until this point, you should continue to invest, right? The one number one rule is you cannot time the market. Your most your most valuable asset right now is time, not money. So if you give up time by taking money out of the market, that is time that you cannot get back. That is compounding interest that you are losing. So we've all heard this term, dollar cost averaging. You That means investing in the stock market, whether it's up or whether it's down, and your money is going to average out over time. So this is not the time to pull your investments out. Definitely do not sell anything because you will lose money. Right now, all you have is a paper loss. It's on paper you're losing money. But it, until you sell that stock, you haven't really lost anything. And the market will recover. Now, I don't know how fast it's going to recover. Nobody knows. But if you're 10, 15, 20 years away from retirement, who cares? You've got all the time in the world. And guess what? This is the best time to be putting money in if you already understand how the stock market works, you know that you're going to be getting deals right now, right? So I am continuing to invest. In fact, I've increased my contribution a little bit on my 401k only because I want, you know, to get the money up front in my accounts a little faster, but I haven't, I, I increased it by 2%. It's not a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I put a little extra money into Vanguard last week, and that was the money that I was putting towards my student loan. So I'm not taking money away from other things like bills, things I need to pay to put in the stock market. God, don't do that. We're talking about discretionary, right. you know, funds. If you have discretionary funds, continue to invest. You don't even have to change your contributions. Just keep it the same. Don't, don't, don't get FOMO. If you're like, oh, now you're now I feel pressed that I need to throw an extra 50 or a hundred dollars into the stock, stock market. No, you do not. You can keep at the same rate that you're going. If you happen to have extra cash laying around and you feel comfortable doing it, go ahead. But otherwise, just stay the course and you're gonna be fine. We're gonna get through this, the stock market will return. And really, it's a set it and forget it system. That's why low cost index funds mm -hmm. are so efficient because you just throw the money in there and you forget about it. And that's the best way to be an investor is just to live your life and not think about your investing every day. What I tell people is you don't buy a house and check on how much your house is worth every day, right? You don't go online. Mm -hmm. and you're like, well, how much is my house worth today? <laughs> Nobody does that. That's what your right. retirement account should be. You put the money in and you forget about it. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people actually become investors by accident, right? Cause they just like sign up for a 401k at work. Mm -hmm. They don't actually know what that means. They have no idea what they're actually invested in. So before you start getting all stressed out about getting into the market and you don't like even know what's actually in your portfolio right now, like that's what you need to be doing. You need to understand where the, the dollars that you already have invested are. If it doesn't make sense where they're allocated, you need to fix that first before you just start buying random shit that you have absolutely no idea like what it absolutely. is. Absolutely. Right? I mean, call your 401k companies, call your HR, ask them questions. What is this thing that I'm invested in? Maybe you signed a paper five years ago and you don't even know what it means anymore. You know, I happened to go in after I went down this rabbit hole of personal finance, I went back into my 401k and I realized that I was invested in all Vanguard low cost index fund. I was super lucky, but I could have been in, mm -hmm. in some really crappy funds, you know, and so you do get some choices with your 401ks and make sure that, you know, that they make sense to you and either your HR or your 401k company can walk you through those. Yep. So if somebody is looking to just get control of their finances, they have not been really actively pursuing a better 
you know, personal finance situation up until this point, but they're ready to start. What advice do you have to give them? Um, I, I just think for me, it's, I usually ask people, how would it, how would you feel if 30 days from now X was out of your life or X was in your life? Like, how would that make you feel if this, if you had, if you hit this goal, like, I try to make people dream, like dream about what your life would be like without this burden in your life or dream what your life would be like if you actually had control over your money, how much peace of mind you would have, right? Um, I think that people learn how to live with the stress for so long that they forget to dream about what it would be like to not have that in their life anymore. And the truth is that that financial stress leads to My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. You know, stress in health, long-term. So, um, I want people to realize that this is a toxic thing in their life, you know, like not having control over your money or letting money control you is very toxic. Um, so we're not just talking about numbers in a bank account, like that's the result, but really we're talking about peace of mind, being happy in your life every day, you know, like being able to enjoy your life, being able to enjoy the money that you work so hard for, enjoy your loved ones. So think about that. And hopefully that will inspire you to take a moment and, and, and really step back, look at your finances and be like, okay, this is time. It's time that I sit down and start making a plan. And it doesn't have to be anything overwhelming. Literally just take a sheet of paper, start writing down your numbers, start making a little plan for yourself and, you know, just, just start because something as simple as creating a little mini budget can make a huge difference in the long term, even if it's just mentally. Like you have a better picture of what's going on. Absolutely. I love that. So I'm really big on how mindset affects your Mm -hmm. money. So I'm curious if you have like a mindset um, thing that you do, you know, just to channel money or if you have a mantra or something like that, like how do you, how do you embrace that aspect of personal finance? Because I think it's so important. Yeah, that's something that I definitely had to work on because I come from you know, like a lot of people, an immigrant family where scarcity mindset was the mind, the mindset around the home. We don't have money for this. We don't have money. Don't ask. I, we don't have money for that. You know, so the idea of there's never enough money around um, can also lead to hoarding behavior, right? Which I sometimes tend to do, you know, I tend to sometimes hoard money, but I have been able, I've been able to work through that and understand that money is just a tool. Money is going to be around whenever I need it. Um, I trust that things will work out. And I don't know, I've been very lucky and they have, especially in my job situation. 
So I try to stay, stay very positive when it comes to money. And when something stressful does happen and I have to shell out a lot of money, for instance, when my dog was hit by a car and I had to spend $10,000 on a surgery, um, which was super stressful. um, I thought at the moment, this is what money is for. Money is to solve problems. This is, this is its purpose. So we are going Uh to use it for this purpose. So um, money is not to hoard. Money is not to, you know, use money to lord over people or to try to gain respect or to try to gain status. Uh, Money is not to buy love. Money is a tool. Oh, girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So once you start disconnecting money from these, these made up, you know, ideas, and you start realizing that all of that is unrelated um, and money is just there to solve a problem. I don't know. It loses its, it loses its power and you gain power at the same time. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's fabulous. <laughs> that is freaking fabulous, girl. I love it. I love it. Okay, so where can we find out more about you and follow your journey? Because you know, I'm rooting for this fire um, thing that you're doing. I just cannot wait to see you posting that you're living oh in Portugal God. because I know it's yes. going to happen. <laughs> Let's manifest that. Everybody, please. Yes. Delian lives in Portugal. Hello. Yes. Um, yes. So, <laughs> Most of my shenanigans happen on Instagram. Um, I post my TikTok videos there. So, you know, if you're not into TikTok <laughs> and that's not your thing, no problem. I share my, I share my videos there too. Um, but most of my information yeah. is on my Instagram. So it's at Delian the money coach. I'm also on um, Twitter. I also post my Twitters on Instagram. So um, really Instagram is, is the best place to reach me. If you ever want to book a free call with me, the link is there in my bio. Um, if you want to DM me, whatever it is, I always respond. I love social media. I think it's a super powerful educational tool. So um, follow me there and we'll have some fun talking about money together. Yes. Thank you so much, Delianne. Like, I love everything that you're doing. And I love finding like-minded women who are just using this little, these little platforms like Instagram and, you know, Twitter and freaking TikTok to reach audiences and like just share ideas that we didn't have access to growing up right like our parents they didn't have access to this kind of financial education so as a result we didn't get it but we can also be a part of changing that narrative and shaping what financial literacy looks like so thank you so much for everything that you're doing thank you so much you know I enjoy it it comes from the heart and that's really what drives me I absolutely loved the conversation with Delian. I think there were so many gems of information there, you know, not only regarding how you can take the principles of fire and apply them to your own life, but just also how a shift in mindset can make you see possibilities that you didn't even know were possible. So I hope you're feeling inspired after this episode. And if you're loving the episodes on this podcast, like always, I ask that you share them with your friends and family, that you leave a five-star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not, that's okay too. Share, share, share. Make sure that you also join us over on Instagram at Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast. We're having a ball over there, guys. You know, all of us are pretty much on lockdown when it comes to just having a social life at this point with everything that's going on with the coronavirus. So our respite right now is social media and we're having a lot of fun. We're having lots of discussions over on Instagram. So I'd love to have you join us. And until next time, stay thrifty, stay educated, stay inspired and stay poderosa. (laughs) 
On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.